The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai and joining me as always as we look back on this crazy but at the moment getting really bloody good wrestling promotion of World Championship Wrestling is the encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing today, sir? I'm really good, mate. How's yourself? Yes, pretty good, buddy. Pretty good. Little peek behind the curtain for people listening. Uh, we are trying to record a quite a few episodes in a short period of time here, just trying to get ahead of ourselves. Plus, we have the potential of a guest coming on for the first time in a couple of weeks and, you know, holidays coming up and so on. So I'm crazy excited, Danny, because I know as soon as I finish recording this episode with you, I get to sit down and press play on the next episode of Nitro, because this one we've just watched, the episode that we're talking about today, I think has been it's bloody fantastic, and it's got me crazy excited for what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, ditto, mate. I mean, I'm going queued up right now. I'm about to press play as soon as we're finished here. <laughs> it's, I mean, and, and if any TV show can make you do that, then it's yeah. on to a winner. I think, isn't it? Yeah, big time, mate. This episode of Monday Nitro came to us originally on August the twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six, from Palmetto, Florida. Uh, it received a 4.2 television rating, which is pretty bloody huge, because Raw wasn't on on this particular evening. The US Open golf tournament had kicked off, and the coverage of the US Open effectively preempted Raw on this week and next as well. So Raw has no ratings, whereas Nitro has done a bloody solid 4.2 there, really, Danny. Oh, very impressive, but Raw is golf. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Before we dive into Monday night, however, we need to take a little look at what happened in WCW over the weekend with our Scottish Danny's look at WCW Saturday night. WCW Saturday night is brought to you by me, Scottish Danny. 
certainly, mate. And uh, this one aired on the 24th of August, 1996. In the opener, we had Mike Enos and Dick Slater defeating the Renegade and somebody called Mike Winner. Um, do you know a Mike Winner, Si? No. No, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like that surname's very fitting either. No, yeah. <laughs> very true, mate. But, um, yeah, we had uh, Lord Stephen Regal um, defeating Bobby Walker. Uh, we also had the WCW TV champion Lex Luger defeating David Taylor. So not a good night for the Blue Bloods. Definitely not. Um, no. no, no. We had Bull Nakano defeating Medusa, um, which is strange because that must have been about their 15,000 match together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and been on Saturday night as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's obvious that WCW at this point has signed Medusa. They've had her throw the belt in the trash. They've had her have a couple of appearances on TV in the kind of soap opera storyline with Sherry Martell and Colonel Parker. But it's almost like because they haven't got a women's division, they don't really know what to do with her. So all she does at the moment is wrestle Ball Nakano, which, don't get me wrong, it's not, it's not a bad thing. They put on some good matches. But there's not much else for her to be doing, is there? No, not at all. So we'll just chuck them on Saturday night with the rest of the uh, mystery people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then we had um, the Dungeon of Doom, which consisted of Kevin Sullivan, Big Bubba, Meng and the Barbarian defeating our favourite team, Si, High Voltage, Jim Powers and Joe Gomez. What a collection of talent that is. <laughs> Dear me. <laughs> And uh, we had in the semi main event Conan defeating Mark Starr. And in our main events, we had, which I need to go and so- seek out this match, we had the WCW US champion Ric Flair defeating Dean Malenko. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see yeah. that. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's quite a bit of I mean, something you can't really fault WCW for, I guess, no. with regards to Saturday Night TV. And with regards to Nitro, especially the one we're about to watch now, you're not short on actual wrestling, are you? There's a lot no. of matches. Yeah, there's very a lot of matches. Was that just a one-hour show Saturday night? No, I think it ran for two hours. So oh. with adverts, you're getting like, you know, an hour 20, hour 25, something like that, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But yeah, it's just, um, we're just going to see where that goes on from the weeks here on now. Exactly, exactly. And what we speak of plenty of wrestling uh, on the wrestling TV, which to me is the way it should be. Uh, Mr. Russo, I'm looking at you there. <laughs> we start this edition of Nitro Nights with a match similar to last week. We're straight into the ring and we have Billy Kidman looking much, much, much younger than he has any right to do. I mean, he looks about 11 here <laughs> and he is facing the debuting Uvitude Guerrera. Now, have you seen much of Uvi Guerrera, Danny? Yep, uh, I've seen him uh, in his WWE run, um, and I think he made a brief appearance in AEW a couple of years ago, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. good shape. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, as far as openers go, I-, I thought this was a pretty good match. What did you think about this contest, and what did you kind of take away? What spots were memorable for you? I really enjoyed this um, because here we have two young guys, like just as you said, Billy Kidman looks barely 11, 12 years old. <laughs> um, the thing that st- stood out to me was the storyline. We have the little seed planted that Conan was sitting in the audience, mm. and it was like, oh wow, why is he here? What's going on here? But um, yeah, 
I, I, there was a lot of um, the crowd were popping for massive for the big moves. Um, we also get uh, an announcement of Juvie versus Conan at Full Brawl as well. Yes, yes, that is going to be interesting. And when we see Conan sat in the crowd, it's more the Conan that we're familiar with now, isn't it? Yeah, he's got the hat and and the sort of um, uh, the bandana and the jacket that's done up at the top but open at the yeah. bottom. Very much very much like the Conan that we're familiar with more so in present day and in recent years, as opposed to the Conan we first saw debut that looked like the Nickelodeon cartoon channel had been sick on him. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, all those bright colours and so on. It, it, it's quite a difference, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And what I also found shocking here was um, Tony Schiavone just dropping in the line that Juventud Guerrero is... 21 here yeah it's crazy isn't it you know great i mean you think about that cruiserweight division i suppose you take malenko aside because he's a few years older than the rest but you've got mysterio kidman guerrera all incredibly young talents i mean psychosis was very young when he made his debut in wcw as well it's really a i mean somebody on twitter uh, it might have even been our good friend cam griffin uh, mentioned about how fantastic the cruiserweights have been it, on the weekly television, and that's kind of what he looks forward to seeing. And somebody else, one of these uh, wrestling historians or journalists or, or websites or whatever it may well be, also at one point I saw even on Twitter or, or Facebook or wherever, saying that people used to go to WCW, people would turn over the channel for Nitro for the NWO, but they would stay for the cruiserweights. And I think the match quality we're seeing... And it's not just one throwaway cruiserweight match. They, they, they are popping up quite a lot throughout the course of a whole episode of television. The quality we see from that division is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. As you were saying that quote, I'm sure I remember Chris Jericho saying that as well, or something very similar to it. It might have been Jericho then. It might well have been Jericho, yes. Okay. Yeah. Ah, I mean, this match here, there's a few spots that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, a power bomb by Hoovy onto the floor was quite spectacular. And he tries to come off the top rope. Then Kidman counters it into a powerbomb of his own. That was pretty spectacular as well. Yeah. Kidman's shooting star press. At times, he kind of drifts off to the side. It looks a bit wonky and, and whatever. But he hits one here that is absolutely fantastic. It's a beautiful move. But only gets two with it. And then he goes for a second attempt. Gets caught. Hit with a, a sort of Frankensteiner effort from the top rope for Juve Guerrera to win the match. Now that, all fantastic. They've spoken about it on commentary. Hoover 2 Guerrero is going to wrestle Conan at the pay-per-view. Uh, and all that's been done, that's fine. Could have quite easily, in my opinion, have left it there. But mm. for some reason, <laughs> I feel like they've really thrown this young lad, Hoover 2 Guerrero, to the wolves here. Because Mean Gene gets in the ring. And Gene even says, I know you're not very good at speaking English. And then says... It, he doesn't speak Spanish in Spanish very badly. And then they just stick a microphone in, in this poor kid's face. It's his debut on W story television. It's his debut on a national station, as far as I'm aware. And he's basically expected to cut a promo. And he starts off speaking English. The crowd boo a little bit. He then goes into Spanish. And I, I just think this whole segment wasn't necessary. No. No, it I'm made, the same it with made you. Juvie, I think it really lowered his stock after that brilliant match he just won. Yeah, perfectly said, mate. I mean, I was just shocked that he was actually getting booed for not knowing English. Um, but 
yeah, yeah. It, they should have just, yeah, as you said, they should have just called it home after that. Yeah, there was no need at all to do this. I mean, if the guy, can, to me, there's a couple of ways of doing this, okay? If the guy speaks English, sound, let him crack on. If it's essential, you get a promo out of him and he doesn't speak good English, do a pre-taped segment yeah, and have that air somewhere on the show so we can really iron out any issues. Or, worst case scenario, give the young lad someone to speak for him. Yeah. But all of those are only if, if it's essential he has to cut some form of a promo, some form of an interview after this debut. I don't think it is essential to have that in the first place. No. No. It's a bit of a shame, but there we go. Uh, this is followed by a Glacier promo, which is the way, I think, now. I'm seeing these in my sleep now, I think. They just, <laughs> it, you know, I, I walk around the house humming the, the music and all sorts because it's just been ingrained into me over the last couple of months because, you know, it, we've got no idea where this guy is. Is he still coming to WCW? Cause it doesn't tell us that anymore. It just says Glacier. It doesn't say coming to <laughs> WCW anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you do the poses in your sleep, side? <laughs> I must do. I must do. Uh, I can hear the cats <laughs> shouting and yelling and they jump off the bed. So I assume I'm doing that, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we then get a recap of the fantastic segment from last week's Nitro involving the Four Horsemen and Sting and Luger, etc., Absolutely brilliant television, as we covered last week. And then we hear Sting and Luger are facing Mongo and Benoit this evening. What did you think of that announcement, Danny? Very, very, um, really like it because it adds to the story of last week. It was like, yeah, we're going to give you a test, a gut check sort of thing. So, yeah, really big, big on that. Mm, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, this, pay, I say this pay-per-view is not a pay-per-view. Apologies. This episode of Nitro. It's kind of tag team heavy as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. We come up to our next match now, and it's it's a tag match here. And we have Kevin Sullivan and Big Bubba from the Dungeon of Doom. And they're taking on Marcus Bagwell. But he is not with Scotty Riggs. We're told that Scotty Riggs is injured and he's going to accompany them to the ring. But I didn't see him. <laughs> that was an hour, mate. Um, yeah, where was he? <laughs> yeah, they said he's going to accompany them to the ring, but then he doesn't turn up. So I don't know what that's about. And Bagwell here is tagging with Jim Powers. And I mean, the match kind of goes as you would expect it to, I suppose. Um, you've got the the, the, the all-American squeaky clean baby faces of Bagwell and Powers. Sullivan and Bubba are proper old school heels. It starts with a, with a, a brawl straight away. All four guys are fighting before the baby faces clear the ring. Eventually, Bubba takes control um, on Bagwell with a powerbomb but he misses a splash and then we get the hot tag to uh, Jim Powers Powers um, actually gets hold of Jimmy Hart I enjoyed this because he's smashing Kevin Sullivan's head and the, the, the whole you know counting one two three four head into the turnbuckle spot and he manages to get hold of Jimmy Hart at the same time and give Jimmy Hart a couple of uh, drives into the turnbuckle that tickled me yeah. a bit Danny <laughs> yeah I can see why <laughs> Uh, Powers then hits a crossbody for a three count. So you think the match is over. But the shoulder came up, I think, probably after the three. I'm not sure. It was a, it was very, very close either way. Yep. And then you twig on, oh, here we go. Nick Patrick is our referee. What's going to happen here? Nick Patrick restarts the match. The baby faces, the, the younger team in this combination, don't twig on that this has happened. Bubba hits his sidewalk slam and wins the match. 
what did you think of all of this scenario here? Because we're getting more of the the Nick Patrick shenanigans, for want of a better phrase. But it's more involved, I suppose, with guys lower down the card here. How, how did you sort of feel about this whole situation? At first, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, really? A dusty finish in a, in a match like this? But because it was Nick Patrick and because it's adding to the storyline of him, um, I'm enjoying it. And it's like, yeah, Nick Patrick isn't just going after the top guys in the matches. Like the, this, the way this is booked, um, it could be Nick Patrick doing uh, screwing around with anybody. But yeah, I've definitely loved it. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I mean, Gene then speaks with the Dungeon of Doom. And I think here, now, we're getting progress on the Glacier situation. Because Bubba talks directly about Glacier. And says, I keep seeing things that he he's coming. Where is he? I mean, Bubba, we, we're all going along with you on that one. Where the hell is he? <laughs> but he's talking also about, you know, if he wants to get in the ring, let's do it. Uh, and so on. I like that because all of a sudden now we've got a direction for Glacier, even though he's not yeah. arrived yet. When I, I know you're looking forward to this guy's debut and it's been drawn out for an incredibly long amount of time. This is the first time he's been spoken about on television other than the the vignettes, the video packages we've seen. Yeah. When Bubba brought him up, how did you react? I was shocked, but it was like, okay, are we finally getting it? Maybe at the pay-per-view, uh, there'll be a challenge or something like that. But yeah, I enjoyed that bit of it as well. Mm. Yeah, it's good. And again, like I said, it kind of gives a purpose to this whole Glacier arriving situation. We, we can already see now whereabouts he's going to go with his, whether it's his debut or his first big-time contest anyway, can we? Yeah. With this scenario here, though, Kevin Sullivan, and, and this was really intriguing to me. Kevin Sullivan says he saw Mean Gene on a boat on a boat with Hulk Hogan last week. Gene says it definitely wasn't me. Did this guy have hair? I think it was Eric Bischoff. And it's kind of, I mean, it's a big thing to to state that Gene was on a boat with Hogan, considering the whole scenario that we're we're in at the moment with the NWO and and the, and the invasion and and so on. But for Gene then to turn and say it was Bischoff. And then it's kind of left. It doesn't get spoken about again. This was quite a big thing rolled into a segment almost in a throwaway manner for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt that way too. It was like, I mean, we'll get um, more of this throughout the night, but it's like, wow, is Gene on the take or is Eric Bischoff on the take? We don't know. But one of them, something dodgy is going on. Well, this is it. I mean, they mention it here, and I say it's kind of throwaway because they mention it, and then they just stop talking. There's nothing more from the two that are in this conversation throwing these accusations around. It felt, it felt like it was something that they had to get in there, but at the same time, it was kind of under the radar, or at least they were trying to make it under the radar. Yeah, plant the seeds. There you go, mate. There you go. Yeah. Our next contest, then, we see Chavo Guerrero, and he has taken on Mike Enos. Now, I've had a bit of fun on this show, Danny, with regards to rough and ready, strong and steady, you know, smelly and teddy or whatever they're called. And Mike Enos and Colonel, not Colonel Parker, who's his partner's name? Dirty Dick Slater. Yeah. I've had a bit of fun on the show about these guys. But I'll tell you what, Mike Enos here, I thought looked really good. Yeah. 
yeah, this was uh, his best outing for me as well. And um, yeah, this was actually a really good match. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, we we get some big news, however, as this match starts. We're told by our commentary team that the Halloween Havoc main event, so even though we're still a few weeks away from Four Brawl, they're talking Halloween Havoc at the end of October, the Halloween Havoc main event is Hogan versus Savage for the world title. I don't... I didn't see that coming, first of all. And secondly, to find that out here, so far ahead of the pay-per-view, surprised me a bit. But they do then announce that tickets go on sale like next week. So I can kind of understand why they may have announced the main event to get an early bump in ticket sales. But, I mean, Hogan Savage for the title, Halloween Havoc, what are you thinking? I'm blown away by that announcement, but it also gives much a man direction because, as we were saying last week, it was like, yeah, he's feuding with the giant right now. But to me, it just felt like he—he just—he was just going along with um, whatever they had for him. Now he's got a storyline, and um, I mean, well, he was attacked by Hulk Hogan a few weeks ago, and mm. but yeah, he's definitely coming for blood. Yes, there we go. You're right. It does give Savage a bit more direction because this whole thing of. I'm after the giant because he's let WCW down. I mean, don't get me wrong. They've given us a reason why Savage is after the giant. Yeah. So that's a step up from some of the things we've seen on television in the past, where they don't give us a reason as to why people are fighting. So at least yeah. they've given us that that purpose for their their rivalry. But I do find it a touch on the weak side. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, we mentioned Enos looking pretty good here. I mean, we we have an impressive fallaway slam on the outside. That looked great. A, a couple of different backbreaker submission holds from Enos. And I'm thinking this, this guy's looking really good here. Yeah. Um, a huge power slam by Mike Enos as well. Followed up by a fisherman suplex, which was very impressive. But then we go for a power bomb attempt that kind of goes a little bit wrong, a little bit messy. They land and uh, the power bomb hurts the leg of Mike Enos because Chavo's fallen on top of his leg. Chavo hits, well, jumps up and gets a figure four applied in a really you know, unique way of applying the move. And the ref gets a bump here. And I don't really understand what, what the motivation was for this finish because the ref gets a bump. Dick Slater then jumps into the ring, attacks Chavo, gets Enos out the ring whilst covering him up with a towel so the referee can't see who it is. Obviously trying to do the kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, twin magic from the Bellas, the old switcheroo that we've seen with Kurt Angle and his brother and so on on television in more recent years. Where you're trying to trick the referee into thinking the guy on the outside isn't actually the guy in the in the match, the guy on the inside is, and so on. That, that kind of vibe. But, I mean, ultimately Chavo still wins the match because he gets a, a, a surprise cradle on Slater and pins him. Two things here that that stand out to me. One, they've gone to all that effort to do this kind of misdirect switcheroo finish, and they still lose. And two, Dick Slater looks nothing like Mike Enos. <laughs> he certainly doesn't, does he? Um, I took away from this match, um, was Mike Enos injured? And that's why this sort of finish happened. Uh, okay, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'd... or was he just uh, shit housing it and saying, "Oh, I'm a," I'm, and that just playing the the um, the heel. But 
to me, it looked like he was injured, especially with um, how. Yeah, I mean, none. Of, they don't look like each other one bit. That's why I can just see that a messy finish like this happened because. Okay. Big Slater, uh, Marquinhos runs out of the ring and puts a towel on his head, and it's just like, yeah, like this just seemed like it was being done on the fly. Interesting. Okay, see, that didn't even enter my mind. You think they've called an audible here because Enos is genuinely hurt from that power bomb? Because it was quite a nasty fall, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay, that didn't even pop into my head. I just thought it was a shit finish. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what happens on the future television. I imagine we'll get some fallout of this maybe on Saturday night in the future, potentially. But we will have yeah. to see. Chavo is then with Mean Gene, who is a busy little boy again this week. Yeah. And Gene is ranting, sorry, Chavo is ranting about wanting Diamond Dallas Page and Megan a face off at Four Brawl. So that's going to be interesting. Because again, we've got a reason for these guys to be fighting. It's interesting to me because there's a purpose. It's not just a throwaway match, Danny, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, th- this has had about three weeks build up and I'm loving it because I had no idea Chavo was, was on a pay-per-view this early in his um, in his career. Like, but yeah, really good, really good fired up promo as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was very good. Very good. Uh, what follows is a bit of an odd one for me. We've got two wrestlers who I I really, really like. Two guys who, who are capable of putting on some incredible matches. And they're given a huge chunk of time here from bell to bell. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the competitors I'm talking about here are Mr. JL and Rey Mysterio. But during this match, we have several ad breaks. We have the NWO arriving, which we'll come to in a moment. And it just seems so fragmented, so broken up. Because then when we go into hour two and all the fireworks go off, they really changed the pace of the match to get to the finish. And it just kind of, it just felt really clunky and and like certain aspects of the TV production was getting in the way of these two putting on the match they maybe wanted to. I mean, how did you find this this match yourself, Danny? This, yeah. Um, I think that the NWO segment could have been done in any other match, uh, because this kind of, I don't want to say ruined it, but it definitely took away from what these two could do throughout the match. Mm, yes, indeed. Um, JL comes out looking like Rey Mysterio. <laughs> he, he's still wearing like what looks like a Rey Mysterio cosplay. And then we get the nonsense from Tony Schiavone saying we've got lots of competitors joining WCW from Mexico. Lots of uh, luchadors wearing the masks. Mr. JL is one of these. But he's not from Mexico. And it's like, so then why did you bring it up? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> he then turns around and says, JL is very mysterious under that mask. It's it's very intriguing, very mysterious. Everybody knows it's Jerry Lynn. It's not mysterious. <laughs> the name, JL, is his own fucking initials for crying out loud. <laughs> Tony, can you hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> it's just silly um we get lots of arm drags drop kicks there's a fast start to the match at least and then the nwo arrive they're at the back and it's all of them hogan is there too because we've not seen hogan for a week or two here and they're spray painting the production truck nwo for life etc all over the place we go to an ad break we come back Rey mysterio is in control Di Malenko is out watching the match as well. 
we get a nice spot i thought with with jerry lynn or mr jl apologies uh attempting ray into like the amateur mat style wrestling the referee stance or amateur stance as they refer to it as so he goes down ray goes to wrestle him they break he tells Ray to go down, but instead of tangling with him, he just runs up and boots him in the ribs. I thought that was just great heel shit. Yeah, that really was. It looked violent as well. <laughs> mm, really good stuff. Uh, we got a nice sit-down powerbomb by Jerry Lynn and then a Boston Crab. Um, we go into hour two, and that's when the speed quickens hugely. Yeah. Um, the head scissors, uh, West Coast pop, and then Ray Mysterio wins the match. Uh, not Ray's greatest outing, but still not terrible, Danny. No, certainly not. And what I loved about it is we got that little glimpse of Dean Malenko watching. So there's more storyline progression there. Yes, you are spot on the money there. It, it I mean, we're going to come to it when, when we summarise the, the episode, how we normally do at the end, end of our podcast. But it feels like every single segment on this episode of Nitro whether the wrestling was a hit or a miss or not, each segment added storyline development. There was another step yeah. in the story for each individual or tag team's tale they're trying to tell, heading towards the pay-per-view. And considering they were running unopposed and their ratings were up because of that, I think they've done a really good job in this episode of Nitro of getting people to go, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to watch next week then to see what happens because virtually every segment you know, carries the stories on but doesn't give you an ending. It makes you want to come back, I feel. Yeah, it's spot on, mate. And a lot of that is credit to Mean Gene because he's in a lot of this Nitro and he's really just hyping up the matches and talking to the wrestlers about their upcoming feuds. And yeah, he's definitely an MVP of this. Oh, without a doubt. And you mentioned Gene. He's next up again. And he is with uh, Benoit and Mongo. And they're talking their match against Sting and Luger later on. Basically saying that, yes, we'll fall in line with what Arn and Flair say. But we're a horseman. We want to wrestle at Fall Brawl. And it, you, you need to beat us to effectively get those spots. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a bit there. Don't get me wrong. But that's kind of the gist of the message they were trying to send, I think, wasn't it, Danny? It was, mate, but I really loved the, uh, Chris Benoit's um, time in this uh, in this promo because he was very super intense during it. Mm. He was, he was. I mean, that's something that you you can never sort of take away from the guy in ring and and in other aspects of the wrestling business. He did have that look to him. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we then get a recap of the Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage um, grief, I suppose, or, or shenanigans over the last couple of weeks. We get a recap of the chair shots that Hogan gave to Savage on Nitro two weeks ago. And then a recap of the Savage promo from last week, calling out Hogan and the Giant and so on. And this gives Mean Gene time to just run to another part of the building because he's got another interview to do. And uh, <laughs> Gene is now talking with Savage himself. And I didn't really get much from this promo other than Savage can't wait for the Hulk Hogan match, but he's got to deal with the giant first. Is that kind of the gist of the, have I missed anything there? No, you haven't missed anything, but he did mention that it was going to be, oh yeah, he mentioned um, Macho Man versus Giant is going to be happening at full brawl, and Macho Man mentioned something about a steel cage, so. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'm not sure how that would work, because. 
Yeah. I'm not sure how that would work because you've got the you've got the hell in the cell. Not hell in the cell. Listen to me. What a novice. <laughs> you've got the war games cage hanging yeah. above the ring and the two rings and so on. So I'm not too sure how they would work that out. Yeah, we'll have to keep wait and see what happens. <laughs> yes, we'll have to see. Uh, what follows is a match with the giant, however, and he is taking on you know show favorite Jim Duggan and uh Straight from the beginning, Duggan is going through his usual shtick, the USA chants, shouting ho, and all that sort of stuff, and the crowd are well into this. Duggan goes after Jimmy Hart on the outside, grabs him, Hart's jacket comes off as the giant comes round the back for effectively a sneak attack. But I loved this because Duggan turns round, is not caught out by this, and throws Jimmy Hart's jacket in the giant's face, temporarily blinding him so he can get some shots in. And I thought that was a clever little touch. Yeah. It was very logical. Um, I know it might have been, it's not the, uh, probably your favourite part of this um, segment was this, because I know what your worst part of it was. We had two very long bear hugs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think with the giant, when he does a bear hug on certain people, it doesn't look as bad because the guy is just so huge. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, it's not. I just think it's so dated. Even in 96, it feels dated, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Eric Bischoff, during one of these bear hug spots, again, rubbishes the fourth man rumours, doesn't he? He sort of says, they haven't got a fourth or fifth man. There's no one coming. It's just M3, in reference to the NWO. Again, this is the second week in a row Bischoff has done this. What are you thinking at this time, Danny? They're definitely pushing it because earlier on in the night, Tony Schiavone even mentioned it and said, oh, I doubt they have a fourth man. Um, yeah, they're absolutely pushing it uh, forward to make you doubt if they do or don't. Mm. Yes, indeed. Uh, that answer, well, that question is kind of answered straight away, though. I mean, Duggan tries to slam the giant, can't quite get it done. And there's a bit of a commotion in the crowd. And not as cool as Scott Hall in any way, shape or form, but in a similar way, I guess, Ted DiBiase comes through the crowd, walks down to ringside, sits down and just starts watching the match. And people are going crazy because it's, you know, DiBiase turning up on WCW television. He'd most recently been on, on WWF TV. Everyone's going crazy about his appearance the commentary team are sort of really pushing who's he with? Is he with the horseman? Is he here to look at the NWO? Is he? And there's a lot of grey areas about it. But, I mean, effectively, whilst this goes on, Jim Duggan tapes his fist again, hits the Giants. There's no effect. Uh, he goes for his two-by-four. Jimmy Hart stops him. The Giant chokeslams him and wins the match. So that deals with the, the in-ring side of things here. But then it goes back to DiBiase, and DiBiase shows four fingers in the horseman style then says next week there'll be five and puts his thumb up as well and bischoff tries saying oh he's saying he's with the horseman is he a fifth horseman (laughs) but it's obvious an nwo reference to me how did you feel seeing i mean first of all before you press play on this episode were you aware that dbossi debuted here and then when he happened when he did debut what were your thoughts and how do you think this whole segment went? No, I, I was not aware um, when he came out. I, was, I always wondered how he got to WCW um, because I was under the impression he left WWF in 93. But um, I think he stuck around a bit longer, didn't he? 
Um, he finished wrestling in '93. Oh, yeah. Because he was tagging with IRS, wasn't he? Money Incorporated yeah. and a tag title run and so on. But then he had the uh, what's it called? The Million Dollar Corporation. Yes. Yeah. And he managed the likes of Tatanka and so on, and had a bit of a thing with Luger for a bit. And that was like '95, going into '96, oh. maybe if my dates are correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, what I was going to say about that is Ted DiBiase um, walking down to the ring. Uh, it was almost like a show of himself because, to me because we're so used to seeing Ted DiBiase in the flash shoes, the money everywhere, the highlighted hair. All of that was gone. And it was just Ted DiBiase without any of... I mean, obviously, that was a WWF character and, and things like that, but... I was like, you you nailed it earlier on when you said this was nowhere near as cool as when Scott Hall did it. But uh, very interesting as well, because it's like, why is he here? Um, Eric Bischoff's going wild, even speculating that Ted DiBiase may come out of retirement, mm. um, which I found insane. But yeah, it was like all, all of his characteristics had been stripped off of him. Yes, indeed. And I, I, I imagine that was a very intentional thing as well, because I mean, at, at this time, in the sort of in the timeline of WCW, August of '96, they're still being sued by the WWF uh-huh. for various different things. Yeah. So I think they've got to try and be incredibly careful with yeah. any gimmick infringement or any use of WWF copyrights and so on. And the Million Dollar Man was very much a WWF creation, wasn't it? So I think they've got to be a bit careful yeah. with that. But just that counting the fingers and then saying yeah. next week it's five—it's like oh my goodness what are we going to get next week? Yeah. If I was WCW, I would have loved to have Ted DiBiase pull out a thousand dollar bill or something like that. Something that's not a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we then get a, a shouty promo from the giant with our friend Gene. And it's again, the, the usual stuff. I mean, he does call himself the world heavyweight champion at one point, which isn't quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, his name's probably still on the belt because you know yeah. w, because WCW. But <laughs> but he's shouting about having to go through Savage, and he wants Hogan at Halloween Havoc and all this sort of stuff. But here, Gene is a star. The Giant is all sweaty, or dribbly, or spitty, and he cuts this promo, shouting and yelling at the camera. And then Gene finishes the promo after Jimmy Hart and the Giant have left by getting his hanky out wiping the lens that we're looking through and just saying for goodness sake these guys are very messy and i popped for that i laughed so much gene is an yeah. absolute diamond isn't he oh i was really really he's on fire this night gene is but um giant also asked a very valid question he asked where was the macho man when he needed him so it's it goes uh-huh. both ways with the giant and macho man so now we've got legs for this as well Yes, indeed. And again, it's story progression again, isn't it? It's you yeah. know, it's another segment on the show that's made me already want to look at where we go next, which would be obviously Nitro next week. So it's done its yeah. job, I think, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, then, we have another of our tag team contests. And, I mean, I've got a note here saying, is this 1986? <laughs> Because we've got the heel, or supposedly heel, combination of R. Anderson and Ric Flair from the Four Horsemen. And they're taking on Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, the Rock and Roll Express, in August of 96. 
but there we go. It felt very Jim Crockett <laughs> promotions, but there we go. <laughs> Uh, Flair's wearing the US title though, Danny. Yes, I made a note of that and I, I bet you would be pleased. Um, we also have Ted DiBiase getting shown in the crowd again. Mm. Yeah, just sat there, not reacting to anyone or anything, just sat there looking on. So again, you don't quite know what's... I, mean, I know, I'm guessing you kind of know. Everyone listening who's you know ever looked into anything WCW probably knows. But at that moment, I wonder if people were genuinely thinking, who is he with? Yeah. Because he's not reacting either way, is he? No. No. Yeah. Um, to be fair to the Rock and Roll Express, they look, they look pretty good in the opening few minutes. We get yeah. the, the double drop kicks of theirs, the double clotheslines and so on. I mean, I'm a big Rock and Roll Express fan, more so from 86 as opposed to 96. But they look all right in the start of this, Danny, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And um, I think if you're going to put these on the show, I think Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are a good tag team because it's kind of like an old school tag team match here. Yes, indeed. Uh, and you're right. You're absolutely spot on with like the old school aspects of it because... You've you've obviously got uh, woman Liz and Deborah on the outside who can act as you know a distraction for the referee and so on, and that does happen on occasions. Woman also rakes the eyes of one of the um, Rock and Roll Express, so good heel tactics behind the referee to get heat there. But the crowd at this point, and it comes back to the issues that we've discussed previously here on Nitro Nights, in that the NWO are starting to pick up a few cheers. The crowd here are, I think, a little unsure as to who they should be cheering for. Because the NWO are being booked as heels. They're the invading bad guys, so to speak. Even though you are getting a few people cheering them and holding up NWO signs and so on. Flair and Anderson, even though they're heels, because they're part of the horsemen, they're almost being positioned as baby faces now because they're standing up for WCW. And they're going to be, in theory, going to be joining forces with the two of the most popular baby faces they've got in Luger and Sting at the next pay-per-view. So you've got this kind of weird situation where it's almost like people don't want to boo Arn and Flair, even though they're being very strong heels in, in their tactics in this match, because of the way they're being positioned against the NWO. Which then, the knock-on effect of that is, because people don't want to boo the horsemen, they kind of don't really f- seem like they want to cheer the rock and roll either, Danny. No, no, they were a bit um, in and out, weren't they, throughout this? I did notice. Hmm, yeah. We got some great sort of old school heel tag tactics, though. Arn Anderson not being the legal man running in and getting a DDT in and, and stuff like this whilst the referee is distracted it, it it's just great old school horseman stuff i love it yeah. uh, and that ultimately leads to rick flair getting the pinfall win and i mean it was a nice nostalgic feel to it and getting to see on anderson's ddt is always brilliant isn't it yeah oh yeah that that very looked that snap ddt at the end really looked painful yes indeed uh up pops rmh gene and he is talking with the horseman. And yet again, Arn Anderson just steals the show for me. Yeah. He, he cuts another fantastic promo talking about the NWO, uh, saying that they hit and run. They're out there with their spray cans. They're not real men. And it, I mean, what did you think about this this segment and, and the, the horseman's interview with Mean Gene, Danny? 
I love this because it really put forward the importance of war games, where especially where Arne Anderson says we were in the first, we'll be in the last. It was like now you sort of wondering if the NWO are in over their head because the war. I mean, I've watched a few war games, not a lot, but it would. There was always a thing about Arne Anderson would start it. Um, yes. I think me and you have talked about that. So yes. they would know this match better than anyone else. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see this. And Arnanson really put over the importance of how violent it can be. Mm. Yes, indeed. And then Flair gets a few words in as well. And I really like this. Flair says that it's not in Connecticut. War Games is not in LA. It's not in New York. Referencing big, strong you know, WWF territories, I guess. It's in North Carolina, horseman country. And the crowd popped big for this. So again, we're getting the horsemen, despite the fact they've just cheated to win their match, and they're still talking in a very heel manner for this interview. They're still getting positioned as the baby faces for this. And I thought that was quite a clever touch there. Yeah, it, it just puts forward the the um, sort of thing of where the horsemen have a chance. Well, horsemen slash Sting and Luger, they mm. definitely have a chance. May They may have the advantage here. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Another Glacier promo follows. But, I mean, we, we, we sort of glossed over it a little bit with the one we had earlier on. These are slightly different, Danny, aren't they? We've got more moves and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It, they have more um, poses where and more almost like locations. We see more of that castle that he's um, posing out of that was clearly filmed in Disney Studios. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What follows is a debut, but it's not Glacier. (laughs) We've had two debuts on this show and they've both just arrived without any fanfare, any vignettes, any video packages. Glacier's, we've been talking about Glacier's debut since around 1978. And here we are in 1996. He's still not here. But we've had Ted DiBiase debut, and here we have Chris Jericho turning up on Monday Nitro and taking on Alex Wright. Bit of an odd finish for me, and we have Jericho being a very bland, squeaky clean babyface here. Yeah. But that aside, how did you how did you enjoy this moment of history? I suppose with one of the biggest names in professional wrestling making his debut on this national stage. I was blown away. I was like, Chris Jericho, this is where he debuts of all places. Yeah, I was shocked. Um, But the match, to me, you could see Chris Jericho's definite, and Alex Wright himself, actually, were both trying to impress. I have to give a big shout out to Eric Bischoff during this because he really put over um, Chris Jericho. He mentioned that he saw him wrestle in Los Angeles and he's seen him, he's proven himself. Um, yeah, crowd was really into this as well. Um, but yeah, the thing with the finish, because we get um, Jericho, we get sort of like um, a no contest, which is basically what we get. And do you think Chris Jericho's his actions were outdated for 1996 wrestling for a babyface? Um, that's a very, very good question. Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah. I think again you've got I don't want to call them a problem because they're not but you have the issue of the NWO 
and they are so cool. And th- this episode of Nitro is the first time I've seen a couple of fans wearing T-shirts with NWO spray painted on them that they've made at home. And you can see that people are starting to get into that kind of edgy, cool heel gimmick. And then you've got Jericho here, who is so, so white meat babyface, so bland yeah. babyface. And after the match, he even cuts a promo talking about how he and Alex Wright are going to fight with their hearts for WCW. And it just, uh, you're right, it, did, it does feel dated for this era, I think. Yeah. But I think Jericho himself has said something along those lines about when he debuted for Night for WCW on Nitro that the gimmick was a little bit dated and it does develop on from there and become you know obviously Jericho is a, a, a genius so it does develop into other things but this initial impression yeah I think you're right it is a bit too you know I'm I'm very honourable good guy cheer for me kind of kind of kind of in situation isn't it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I will give them credit for trying something new because um, they're trying sort of like a throwback here as well at the same time, but it just didn't work. So you can give them a for, for effort for trying. Um, but you're right, this is a historic because we've seen all these legends debut, like we've seen Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and we've seen all their debuts. But to add Chris Joker to that list, who I thought debuted much later than this. I didn't know he debuted in WCW at this year. Um, yeah, just blown away. Ah, okay. Interesting. Uh, oh, it's... yeah. I also meant to say Eric Bischoff, um, at one point, Chris Jericho put Alex Wright in the corner and he sort of did like a stinger splash without jumping. And Eric Bischoff loudly shouted, that is the war of Jericho. I'm really upset that he didn't use that going forward in his career. <laughs> I must have missed that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> the wall of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the finish that we've we've kind of skirted around a little bit, we may as well explain for those who, who maybe haven't seen it. The, the finish is that Alex Wright comes off the top rope to the outside, misses Jericho, hits the guardrail. The referee is about to count Alex Wright out and Jericho's in the ring, tells the referee no, he won't take the win that way and the match gets called a no contest. So incredibly sporting. But then you've got Bobby Heenan on commentary, rightfully so, saying, yeah, okay, that was nice of him to do, but it's not going to affect his paycheck, is it? He's not going to get the winner's end of the purse. And it does make him look a bit a bit naive maybe, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But excited to see where he goes from here. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, up next, we have a match that I honestly don't think we needed to have on the card at all. Yeah. It feels like at this stage, we, we've got our main event set of Benoit and Mongo versus Sting and Luger. We've got some other things that are going to happen around that as well. So we know where we're going with the end of the show, or at least the people producing it knew. It already feels like we're cramming for time a little bit with the Jericho Alex Wright situation. And Alex Wright tries to say something back to Jericho. Mean Gene says, sorry, we're running out of time and all that sort of stuff. The the next tag match we have of the Steiner Brothers versus the Blue Bloods, uh, Bobby Eaton and Dave Taylor. I don't think this needed to be on television. No. I think this could have been saved for next week. Um, uh, some may argue maybe even Saturday night, but ultimately here we get the Blue Bloods kind of imploding and we get Eaton and Taylor fighting. So 
I understand they want that on Nitro to get as many eyes on it as possible. Could be the motivation. But if you're running out of time, it's not going to hurt anyone if this goes into next week, Danny, I think, is it? No, absolutely not, mate. Well said. And it's like, yeah, like, I mean, we did, we got no entrances for this match either. So you could definitely tell they're rushing for time. Um, quite a historic split because the Blue Bloods have been on Nitro for months and months and months now. Um, and they were arguing uh, just before the match started about who was going to tag in and who was going to start the match. And mm. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the whole match was basically that. It was a whole gimmick uh, of getting these guys to to fight at the end. And as you said, they argue at the beginning, they argue halfway through. Um, Taylor hits Eaton by mistake at one stage. And ultimately, Rick Steiner pins Eaton after a crossbody from the top rope and, and Rick Steiner rolls through and pins him. It's a bit of a mess. But Taylor then attacks Eaton. But the Steiners are ringside with Gene with the house mic trying to do an interview because they're apparently going to be wrestling Harlem Heat for the tag team titles at the pay-per-view. But they just kind of lose what they should be doing. And you've got Eaton and Taylor fighting in the ring. And again, this makes me think that they're running short on time because you've got them trying to carry on their gimmick, their their segment, their turn. Whilst the Steiners are still trying to cut a promo on the outside as well. It's almost like they've got these two things running alongside each other that they've they've not got enough time to have one happen and then the next. So it's almost like they're trying to combine it into the same segment. But the Steiners crack me up because Scott Steiner's there shouting, what the hell's going on? You know, I thought these guys were friends in in the the sort of shouty Scott Steiner way. Rick Steiner's yelling, get him, Dave, get him. And all this sort of stuff. It it, it tickled me. It was just silly, but it was funny. Yeah, it was, mate. And I love the fact that we have the announcement of the Steiners versus Harlem Heat at Four Brawl as well. Yes, Yes, at Four Brawl, not at Halloween Havoc, like Rick Steiner said. And then Scott <laughs> Steiner actually said, Rick, it's a Four Brawl, not Halloween Havoc. <laughs> like, like he was genuinely cross to his brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that tickled me. That brings us then to our main event of the evening. And we have a genuine big match feel here. We have Chris Benoit and Mongo McMichael representing the Four Horsemen. And they are taking on the team of Sting and Lex Luger. The contest begins with a, a big brawl, and it's all four guys fighting away uh, before the Horsemen team take control of Luger for a while. Benoit and Lex then collide in the middle of the ring before Luger manages to get the hot tag to Sting, so a, a good reaction from the crowd. He throws a few drop kicks and so on. We're really getting into this, and there they are. Here they come, Danny. Talk us through what you see next. Hulk is here. Hulk lures Mongo into a trap where Scott Hall uh, just comes up literally out of nowhere and blindsides Mongo with a quite a heavy clothesline that puts him to the floor. And this is where it picks up. The crowd are into this. Um, Hulk Hogan spray paints Mongo. NWO just beat down everyone. Um, They spray paint everyone. Arn and Ric Flair come in as well to join in. Um, that, but they, oh, sorry, that crowd reaction when Arn and Flair ran in yeah. as well. That was hot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. This um, this whole segment was um, one of the hottest uh, endings to a wrestling show that I can ever think of. I mean, this was just, the crowd was just on fire. Um, the thing that made was uh, most shocking to me was the moment that where Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are in the corner 
and Hulk Hogan just gets out a can of spray paint and sprays Ric Flair directly in the eyes. That yeah. must have killed him. <laughs> yes, and then he goes down the top of his white hair, doesn't he? Makes him look like a yes. skunk or a badger <laughs> or some sort. But that, I mean, just spray paint in the eyes, and Flair sells this brilliantly. I mean, just um, the crowd, the crowd almost. Uh, would you would you say they're cheering the NWO on here? I think at this stage they're cheering everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going mad. They get excited when Hogan arrives. Yeah. They go mental when Hall and Nash arrive. They pop when Flair and Arn come in to make the save. Yeah. The only time I really think it changes is when the the trio from the NWO of Hogan, Hall and Nash have destroyed everybody. Yeah. Then the crowd, I think, start to turn and start treating the NWO how I suppose WCW want them to be treated and they're being booed and all the trash is being thrown into the ring and there's bodies everywhere because it's just a complete scene of destruction. They've destroyed everything. Yeah. At that moment, I feel you're getting the reaction WCW wanted from the crowd. But up yeah. until then, I think the audience are just going crazy for everything because it's bloody great television. Yeah, it really is, man. And it was so good. I took a picture of the chaos in the ring when you have all the WCW guys beat down and there's just a mountain of trash. And the NWO are just lapping it up. They're encouraging the crowd to chuck in things. At one point, Hulk Hogan spray paints Kevin Ash's T-shirt to send a message to the crowd. And, oh, just brilliant stuff, mate. Really good. Really good. Uh by this point, Eric Bischoff, sorry, at this point, Bobby Heenan's already left. He's having none of this nonsense. He is <laughs> gone. And the the NWO trio head towards the commentary area and Eric Bischoff scarpers as well. And they get on the announce desk. They pick up the headsets. They start talking about how great they are. Hogan spray painting NWO all over the WCW logos. And that's basically where we go off air from the live footage because we cut back to what we saw earlier in the night. And the last shot we see is DBOC counting one, two, three, and then putting four up and then saying next week, five. And that's the last thing we see that recorded footage from DBOC earlier in the night, straight after the NWO have done this, what well, created this scene of destruction. And I thought that was really, really cleverly done. Yeah. It just plants the seeds in your mind was what is going to happen next week? What is Ted DiBiase going to do? Mm. What is the fallout going to be from all this chaos in the ring? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I mean, we've we got to give it our ratings now, our plus points and our negatives, our woos and our O brothers. I'm assuming that we're both going to be relatively positive, Danny. Uh, we'll start yeah. with our plus points and our negatives, our woos and our O brothers. Brother, 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 brothers, brother, Woo! brother. First or second, my friend? I'll go first this week, mate. You crack on. So the definitely um, with the woo would be um, the main event chaos and how the show ended. Yes. Um, I just love it. Yeah, it's something I'll definitely go back and watch um, uh, in the future. Um, what was your woo, mate? Exactly the same. All the NWO carnage and destruction and mess and the trash and the crowd reaction the the images of ted dibiase all of the nwo stuff at the end just you know you, you've you've got you've got luger and sting facing mongo and 
Benoit because they want to be in the War Games match. They've just been destroyed by the NWO. And then you've got the two guys who are supposedly the senior members of the Horsemen coming down, and they get destroyed as well by three guys stood above them all. And all the trash, and again, like I said, DiBiase closing the show by saying next week five. The NWO stuff at the end is my woo. Absolutely fantastic television. What about your O brother then, bud? Yeah, so with the O brother, it would definitely have to be the Steiners versus the Blue Buds placement of the um, of the match because these two teams could have a brilliant match, but just being thrown onto this Nitro um, on the semi main event is kind of like ah, this could have been. We said it earlier; it could have been just left off. Mm. I, I, I've got exactly the same. My old brother's the Steiners match. Uh, I completely agree with you. So yeah, we got we got two matching results there for our woos and our old brothers. Let's see if it's going to be a clean sweep this week, Danny. Are we going to agree on everything? Hit, miss, or middling, my friend? Big hit this week, Sai, mate. How about you? Exactly the same. Look at that. <laughs> we agree on everything. What a brilliant yeah. episode of television this was. Yeah, really was. Historic debuts great matches, great moments, and mm. all leaving you wanting more, which we've got both going to, as soon as this is over, we're going to watch that show, uh, the next week. We are, we are, and we will be recording that episode of Nitro Nights in a couple of hours. Sadly for you listening, you're going to have to wait seven days for the next episode to come out, because, you know, <laughs> good things come to those who wait, and all that, I suppose. Danny, try and let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and all the brilliant shows you are involved in, my friend. Yep, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking more natural with the great Cy Powell. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Uh, anything I'm involved in, as always, you can find via the network that carries this show. That's SJP World Media, available on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Make sure you hit a, the, the subscribe, the like, give us a big fat five-star review because we're bloody awesome and we deserve it. So much going on on the network, looking at nostalgia with regards to wrestling, TV, music, all sorts going on there and modern day stuff as well. You know, looking at football, looking at um, modern day wrestling with Benny Mack and in the corner and RSH from the States and so on. So much there. New shows every day of the working week, Monday or Friday, and sometimes some bonuses for you on the weekend as well. That's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast platforms. But most importantly, this show can be found on Facebook and Twitter at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights danny that episode of nitro was bloody fantastic i hope the one we're about to watch is just as good me too mate i will speak to you in a few hours but to everyone else i'll speak to you next week <laughs> and as always thank you for listening <laughs>